And now, Box 39 Red Button is handing over its slot to one of its stablemate programs. Welcome to Bill's Big Bag of Musicologies, where we cast our ears back to musical selections from past editions of Box 39 and the essential analyses and commentaries by Guppy Productions' very own aid. That is to say, me. This is Cone Radio on 106.6 FM. Here we have the musicologies from an episode of Box 39 on the topic of babies. daughter was a baby, I was a bad parent, but I got better as she grew older. I was tucking her in the other night and she looked really sad. I asked, what's the matter? Why are you so sad? She said, well, I was thinking, I'm 10 years old now and you're 62. When I'm 20, you're going to be 72. When I'm 30, you're going to be 82. And you're not going to be around for a lot of my life, are you, daddy? My friend's parents are in their thirties. I said, that doesn't mean anything. There's no guarantee. Who says they're not going to die in a fiery car crash tomorrow, you know? Or murder-suicide? You don't know. And who says you're going to outlive me? I mean, who's to say a murdering clown isn't going to come into your bedroom tonight and smother you with a balloon animal? You just don't know. Anyway, I kissed her on the forehead and said, you get a good night's sleep. We'll talk in the morning. into the newborn baby unit where my tiny son was being fed by my wife. A nurse told me, you have a cute baby. I smiled and said, I bet you say that to all the new fathers. No, she replied, just to those whose babies really are good looking. So I asked, what do you say to the others then? The nurse replied, the baby looks just like you. And she threw her head back and laughed. I instantly felt awkward. Had she made a joke? I hadn't laughed. I felt under pressure. So she said that my baby son was cute, 
but she doesn't say it to every father. Okay, fair enough. So my baby's cute. That's good then. So what's the rest of it? She says that they look just like the father if they're not cute. Right, I see. So how does it work? The baby is cute, but that means the father isn't. Ugly baby equals ugly father. Oh, I see. That's the joke. I'd got it. So I laughed. When I wake tomorrow, I'll bet that you and I will walk together again. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be friends. We were waiting for the bus. No one much around but us. say that when an as-yet childless couple encounters a couple with a newborn baby in a pushchair, the woman is fascinated with the baby and wants to pet it. Meanwhile, when the man sees the couple, brand new parents and all, he feels a distinct ambivalence about the baby. It's just somebody else's baby after all. Then things change when our husband and wife finally have a baby. Now, when they encounter a couple with a newborn baby in a pushchair, the woman feels ambivalent about the stranger's baby, while the man is fascinated by it. At least I think that's what they say. Maybe it's the other way round. Ambivalence, fascination, the man, the woman, the stranger's baby in the pushchair, the couple. I can't remember. But either way, it's an interesting concept. But I don't think any of that. When I encounter a couple with a newborn baby in a pushchair, the only thing I'm thinking is, I wonder what's the story with their sex life. For you, child, you is the best he can be. For you, child, For you is the best he can be. Listen to Bill's Big Bag of Jazz Onions on Cone Radio. Although there is no demand among local residents for jazz on their community radio, it has been decided by culture experts and people with good taste to broadcast some jazz on a Sunday evening, regardless. Like it or not, Bill's Big Bag of Jazz Onions, Sundays at 11 p.m. Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry, cause we believe in you. Soon you'll grow. So take a chance with a couple of cooks hung up on romancing. Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry, cause we believe in you. Soon you'll grow, so take a chance with a couple of cooks hung up on romancing. I have to admit my wife and I were competitive about our baby. I don't mean between my wife and me. I nobly conceded defeat in the competition to do the most work related to the baby. My wife did nearly everything and I took that loss on the chin. 
No, the real competition was with siblings who'd had babies at around the same time. All the milestones, the new skills, the stages, the incremental delights, who'd won, who'd done it first. But we were worried though about how long it was taking our baby to say his first words. We started to get really worried. He was already five years old and he hadn't uttered a single word. Our siblings shook their heads and we were embarrassed. Then one day, five years and two months of age, our son was eating some homemade ravioli and he suddenly said, F*** me, this f***ing ravioli is f***ing disgusting. We were all shocked. All this time, darling, why didn't you tell us you could talk? Well, he said, up till now the food's been all right. If you stay, you won't be sorry, cause we believe in you. Soon you'll grow, so take a chance with a couple of cooks. I'm up and romancing. Will you stay and I love the story? If you stay, you won't be sorry. With your loving, there ain't nothing that I can't adore The way I'm running with you, honey, means we can break every law I find it funny that you're the only one I never looked for There is something in your loving that tears down my walls I wasn't ready then, I'm ready now, I'm heading straight for you You will only be eternally the one that I belong to They say overstimulation looks a little different in every child, but there are some common signs you might notice in a baby. Crying, usually louder than usual, withdrawing from your touch or turning their head away from you, wanting to be held, being very fussy or irritable, clenching their fists or waving their arms and legs, having temper tantrums, moving in a frantic or jerky way, acting very tired, sucking on hands or fists. One must read these signs and then there are 64 ways to soothe the overstimulated baby. This is the orthodox analysis. But I see it differently, though my wife doesn't agree. I say, stand your ground. It's just a battle of wills and an everyday part of the human condition. Resist, reject, dig your heels in. If you don't, they'll grow up not as interested in teamwork as our generation. They won't have as strong a work ethic and they will be impatient when it comes to career growth. 49% will quit before two years in a new job if things don't go their way. Stand your ground. Babies are our grown-ups of the future. Listening to Bill's Big Bag of Musicologies, an intriguing compilation of AIDS musical choices and the odd commentaries he thinks we need to hear. Right, it's time to have a rummage in the Musicology's mailbag for baby jokes. Here's one from Mark Taylor from Mark's Tay. 
It says, a woman in labor suddenly shouted, shouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't, didn't, can't. Doctor, what's going on? asked the concerned father-to-be. Don't worry, said the doctor. Those are just contractions. Okay. Uh, this one is from Haley Howarth from Hadley Heath. I read a book on prime numbers to my baby son, and I had his undivided attention. Hmm. Sorry. This one is from Graham Broom from Great Bromley. We took our baby to the hospital after he ate a set of Scrabble tiles. We've been waiting and waiting. No word yet. Yeah, that's good. I like that. This is from Bridget Lindsay from Brightlingsea. A new mother says, Why is there a strange baby in the crib? Father says, You told me to change the baby. Okay. Uh, and then finally, this one is from Mango Dread in Shrub End. Feeding time for the twins. My wife asks, Have you seen the baby's bowl? I say, I didn't know they did. <laughs> When skies are gray You'll never know, dear How much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away Welcome to the world of global digital retail, a world of possibilities into which one is born every minute. Welcome to the world of Lord David Price. Whether it be underprivileged Nigerians working in call centres in Lagos, or Polish food cosmeticians turning plain fish into Scottish salmon in Warsaw, or Price University's research bolstering China's claim to the South China Sea, behind it all is global digital retail. Behind it all is one man's vision. As Lord David says, if there are people out there so desperate to fulfill their dreams, then there are opportunities aplenty to assure those people that their dreams will come true. Through innovation and fabrication, literally anything is possible. Any aspiration can be turned into income. Any amount of wealth can be transferred to new ownership. There is no high bar. There is no low bar. There is just global digital retail. Who is behind the redirection of Turkish water away from Palestinian land and into Israeli settlements? Who turned farmland in Hungary, Indonesia over to agribusiness so it can grow coffee beans for export to the developed world? Who turned the South American rainforests into toilet paper for the Japanese? Who turned Cone Radio into a conduit for converting so many ill-gotten gains into simply gotten gains? Remember this, in a world of scandal, corruption and fraud, there is but one constant, and that is Lord David Price and Global Digital Retail. This is Cone Radio on 106.6 FM. Here we have the musicologies from an episode of Box 39 on the topic of future. I heard you on the wireless back in 52 Lying awake intently tuning in on you If I was young it didn't stop you coming through They took the credit for your second symphony Rewritten by machine on new technology 
Mango Dread, before he became famous for his emails and texts to Box 39, for several years, between graduating from secondary school and finally getting his one short-lived job, was an amateur philosophicist, a term he himself coined, and he was seen by many in the Shrub End area as a thought leader. One of his most interesting discoveries was how he was able to travel one minute into the future, interact with this future version of his environment, and then return to the present by taking what amounted to a 60-second catnap. Indeed, it was waking from a nap that would invariably propel him this short amount of time into the future on each occasion. Mango Dread tried to monetize this phenomenon, but aside from being mostly unable to prevent minor accidents that he just knew were going to happen a minute later, he could establish no clear usefulness for such a limited form of time travel. Nowadays, Mango generally describes himself as a horticultural chemist. If man is still alive If woman can survive They may find In the year 35, 35 Ain't gonna need to tell the truth Tell no lies Everything you think, do and say Is in the pill you took today In the year 45, 45 Ain't gonna need your teeth, won't need your eyes You won't find a thing to chew Nobody's gonna look at you Mango Dread, Cone Radio's cyber personality and content provider, who once described himself as a philosophicist, has tried unsuccessfully numerous times to monetize the innovative things that he would find himself conceptualizing in his flat in Shrub End. He did a lot of work on the definition of now. He posited if you were to place a mirror to your right and one to your left at a fixed distance from each other, and you send one photon left and one right at the same time, then you wait to see whether the photons come back at the same time, and if they don't, you adjust your position until they do. If you assume the speed of light is always the same, this means if the photons come back at the same time, then you must be exactly in the middle between the mirrors, and this moment in time-space can be defined as now. Mango Dread tried unsuccessfully to monetize this theory by selling pairs of handheld mirrors from a trestle table at car boot sales to no avail.
Mango Dredd, the former philosophicist, who now describes himself as a horticultural chemist, discovered a rudimentary means of time travel using carefully selected dried leaves, flowers, stems and seeds that he somewhat guardedly refers to as homeopathic vegetation. Testing it on himself, for many years in fact, he noticed that he would often experience an intense feeling of having already experienced the present situation. Mango reasoned that this could only be explained by hypothesizing that some kind of time travel had taken place. He had visited the future, experienced X or Y, and then returned to the present, and then at some point he would experience X or Y all over again. He tried to market his homeopathic vegetation under the brand name Deja Vu, but found it did not allow him to charge more, because his customers had often experienced intense feelings of having already experienced the present situation, regardless of what brand name he was using for the product. Alas, Mango Dread's Philosophisics had no impact on his sales. Dredd and some friends once proposed the causal loop theory, where because of time travel an event is among the causes of another event, which is in turn among the causes of the first mentioned event. Such causally looped events then exist in space-time, but their origin cannot be determined. An example of this loop would be a snooker ball striking itself in the past. The ball moves in a path towards a time machine, and the future version of the ball emerges from the time machine before its past version enters it, giving its past version a glancing blow, altering the past ball's path and causing it to enter the time machine at the angle that would cause its future version to strike its past version the same glancing blow that altered its path. In this sequence of events, the change in the ball's path is its own cause, which might appear paradoxical. Unfortunately, Mango Dredd and his friends did not write this down before they all fell asleep, and the concept has since been lost. Price University. Questioning standards, reimagining quality, conjuring up dreams. Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, and now Price University with a Colchester P.O. Box number. We're enrolling students for 2023. A range of innovative courses. Bachelor's degrees in Creative Accounting, Post-Truth Communication Studies, Reverse Psychology, Global Gaslighting. Master's degrees in Pseudoscience, Sociopathic Marketing, Shell Company Management. 
self-assessed MBAs available without lectures or coursework. All tuition fees payable up front for your peace of mind. Non-refundable payment possible via our charity-based Nigerian call center. Price University. Online only. Mango Dread is soon to have a book called The Future is Failure Postponed, published by Price University. How long is the list of things that were once the future that soon became obsolete, asks Mango Dread. The Walkman, floppy disks, developing film, email accounts you have to pay for, dial-up, movie rental stores. Once upon a time, these were tantalizing pointers to the future, but where are they now? Newspaper classifieds, landlines and public payphones, physical maps, VCRs, fax machines, phone books, dictionaries, encyclopedias, even CDs. The list goes on and on. Compared to their promises of the future, they all turned out to be relatively short-lived failures. None other than Lord David Price has written the foreword to The Future is Failure Postponed, in which he urges consumers to embrace promises about the future, but they shouldn't complain when the promises don't come true. Future earnings, dividends, share prices, contracts, whatever. Lord David urges you to accept entrepreneurs' predictions about the future, but then just accept it when they turn out to have been false. You're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Musicologies, an astounding compilation of Aid's choices of music and the unexpected things he says. I can't seem to focus and you don't seem to notice I'm not here I'm just a mirror You check your complexion To find your reflections all alone I had to go Can't you hear me? I'm not coming home Right, it's time to have a rummage in the Musicology's mailbag for jokes about the future. Here's a text from Ralph Rizzler from Rockingham St. Mavis, and he says he's enjoyed the Musicology's about Mango Dread, and Ralph explains that he's one of Mango's customers. Anyway, the joke, Ralph says, I can see six years into the future thanks to my 2020 vision. And he adds, I wrote this joke in 2014. Thanks for that, Ralph. And here's one from Hania from Odessa, who'd like to dedicate this to a brighter future for Ukraine. She writes, Stalin and Roosevelt were arguing over whose bodyguards were more loyal, and so they ordered them to jump out of the window on the 15th floor. Roosevelt's bodyguard flatly refused to jump, saying, I'm thinking about the future of my family. Stalin's bodyguard, however, jumped out of the window and fell to his death. Roosevelt was taken aback. Tell me, 
Why did your man do that? he asked. Stalin lit his pipe and replied, He was thinking about the future of his family too. I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is on Colm Radio every Sunday from 10pm to midnight. Wrong! It's every Tuesday at 8pm. And again on Monday nights from midnight to 2am. Wrong! The repeat is on Sunday nights at 10pm. The fragments of spoken words are his onions. Crafted eclectic music provides his big bag. And Bill is the only broadcaster in Northeast Essex who could be bothered to do it. No, no, actually, you're quite right. I pressed the button by accident. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Late night dreamscape radio for any time of the day. This is Colm Radio on 106.6 FM. Here we have the musicologies from an episode of Box 39 on the topic of Big and Small. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot With a pink hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they paid paradise put up a parking lot they took all the trees put them in a tree museum and they charged the indonesian word for big is basar it's the adjective big Unlike in English, Indonesian words are created based on root words which are then modified by prefixes and suffixes. Besar is a root word. Mumbasar means to grow bigger. Mumbasarkan means to make something bigger. Mumbasar besarkan means to exaggerate. Terbesar means the biggest. Subbesar means as big as. Subbesar besarnya means as big as possible. Besar besaran means large scale. Kebesaran means too big. Pumbesar means big shot or bigwig or a medicine like Viagra. Pumbesaran means enlargement. And perbesaran means magnification. There are 14 different words based on the root word for big. Then you have the Indonesian word for small, which is kecil. Now, by using basically the same prefixes and suffixes as before, the root word for small can be made to mean young, unimportant, as small as, as small as possible, to become smaller, to shrink, little by little, to belittle someone, to reduce, to minimize, to underestimate, to make smaller, the smallest, and reduction all based on the root word kecil. The logic of all this makes Indonesian a far more straightforward language to learn than English. Sumo wrestling is certainly a sport of big and small. It mixes brute force with skill, and body weights in excess of 200 kilograms take care of the brute force factor. When I lived in Japan in the 1990s, the biggest wrestler, known as a Rikishi, was the Hawaiian-born Konashiki, who weighed 267 kilograms. 
Two other American rikishi in the 90s were Mushashimaru and Akibono, who weighed 257 and 256 kilograms respectively. They personified brute force. Case in point, the Mongolian-born Hakuho has been the grand champion for longer than any other sumo wrestler in history. He stands 6 foot 5 inches tall and weighs 225 kilograms. Earlier this year, Hakuho went up against Enho in a sumo tournament in Tokyo. Enho is the smallest sumo wrestler in Japan at just 5 foot 5 inches and a svelte 99 kilograms. Well, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, or so they say. The more nimble Enho skillfully used Hakoho's weight and lumbering momentum against him, and using a judo-type throw, he flung him to the ground to win. As I said, sumo is certainly a sport of big and small. Bill's Big Bag of Onions, every week on Tuesday at 8 p.m., presents short stories which are exactly 100 words long and written exclusively for Cone Radio by people that Bill Lawrence just so happens to know. It's a fairly good program made by local writers trying their level best, and the whole thing's is perhaps salvaged by the excellent music. Decide for yourself. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Try to buy the things he needed He had spent it all on Lucy's and Weed He had spent it all on chips and Coca-Cola He had spent it all on chocolate and vanilla He had spent it all and didn't even feel it He had spent it all and didn't even feel it Let's divide consumers into the big ones, those with plenty of money to spend, and the small consumers for whom money is in short supply. A big consumer buys a carton of milk, it costs 30 pence. A small consumer buys the same carton of milk, and of course, it too costs 30 pence. But if the big consumer buys 24 cartons of milk in a box at wholesale prices, which of course they can because they have the money to do it, then each carton of milk will be cheaper for the big consumer than it will be for the small consumer, whose cash flow means they can only buy one or two cartons at a time. In other words, a a lot of basic goods are potentially cheaper for rich people than they are for poor people. The big consumer can pay for their annual car tax in one go and so save money, while the poorer, small consumer, short of money, will pay it in monthly installments and end up paying more in tax than the richer consumer. You know, they tout the economies of scale as favoring the poor and the small, but I'm not so sure. Better get a head start, start running. While you were skimming from the top was sunny But all the weather about to turn real crummy Cause everybody gonna want their money Yeah, everybody gonna want their money Better get a head start, start running Better get a head start, start running Cause it's about to get so unfunny All the poets in the alley coughing up blood And their visions and their dreams are coming up red They can either wake up or go deeper But it's so dangerous to wake a deep sleeper
Indonesia's football team has played Thailand's national team 80 times, but has only won 20 of those matches, while losing 45 times. That's a miserable 25% win rate. But how come? Indonesia is a big soccer-mad country with a population of 280 million, making it the world's fourth most populous nation and the tenth largest economy. Meanwhile, the relatively small country Thailand has less than 70 million people and is the world's 24th largest economy. Football is the most popular sport in Indonesia in terms of annual attendance, participation and revenue. In Thailand, it's Thai boxing and badminton that are popular. Thailand was never colonized by a football-playing European power, while Indonesia was a colony of the footballing powerhouse Netherlands for hundreds of years. And yet, Indonesia is only qualified for three of the 15 Asian Cups held over the last 70 years. So what's going on? Why is a small country beating a big country like this time and time again? Well, the answer. There's scarcely any properly organized competitive football going on in big Indonesia's primary and secondary schools, while there is in the schools of small Thailand. Listening to Bill's Big Pack of Musicologies, celebrating the genius of Aid's musical selections and the unusual things he says. I need some shelter of my own protection, baby. Be with myself in center, clarity, peace, serenity. Europe has big countries and small countries. Russia, Germany, United Kingdom, France, Italy, Spain, Ukraine and Poland are the big countries of Europe. They range from 145 million to 38 million in population. Together, they make up 75% of Europe's total population of 740 million. After those nine countries, there's a gap and we have countries like the Netherlands at 17 million and Romania at 19 million. Below that, I think we are talking about small countries, really. You have to combine the populations of Sweden, Hungary, Belarus, Austria, Serbia, Switzerland, Bulgaria and Denmark in order to reach the population of the United Kingdom. There are 15 countries in Europe that have a smaller population than Essex, which is 1.8 million, and this makes Essex big. But Essex is smaller than Greater London, West Midlands, Greater Manchester, West Yorkshire, Kent and Hampshire, who together have 21 million people. Only 2.5% of the British people live in Essex, which makes Essex small. Essex is both big and small, it just depends. Right, I've written 183 words for this 65 second musicology to be overdubbed onto the 150 second song, so I'll stop. Second feature, worry 
Right, it's time to have a rummage in the Musicology's mailbag for messages about big and small. Uh, let's have a look. I have a few messages here from people contacting me through my Cone Radio Musicology's Tinder account, where I appealed for comments on big and small for this show. Let's see, big and small. Ooh, okay. Can't read that one on the air, I'm afraid. Hmm, well, what's this? I see. Right. Ooh, I can't read that one out either. What about this one? Ooh, no, I can't. Uh, these are rather candid messages, you know. Well, maybe this one. I say it comes with a photo as well. Gosh. Okay. Well, sorry about that. Not the best idea I've ever had. But anyway. Stormy Daniels 248, Miss Nympho 74, Stanway Seeker 69, and Madame Harwich 1980. Thanks for your interest. There are Cone Radio felt pens and stickers on their way to you. our community here in North East Essex, what really matters? How different is life really, wherever we live? Padang Food Named after the city of Padang, the capital of West Sumatra, and served in restaurants in every Indonesian city. Famous for its three elements, a spicy chilli sauce, a thick curry, and perfect steamed rice, the cuisine is cooked once per day, and customers take and pay for only what they want from the array of small dishes on display on the highly stacked window displays. And Padang food is highly important for Indonesian workers for breakfast and lunch. Simply gorgeous. So it's lunchtime. Popped in for lunchtime at a local street food where you just help yourself, a bit like a buffet. Small little room, perhaps uh, six tables, four people sit around each table. At the front of the pandong is a curtain and between the curtain and the street is a glass cabinet on which all the different parts to the meal sit and you are given a plate of rice by the owner and then it's up to you to take what you want and you pay for the bits that you have eaten. So we have five large bowls, almost tureen shaped with ladles uh, in them, and you help yourself to those. Those are your sort of core sauces to go on your rice. One of the tureens with very liquidy as vegetables, mainly green beans and some onions. Run a red liquid that'd be slightly spicy. There's another one which holds beef in it. It's very oily, very oily. And again, that'll be put on your, on your rice. There's a bowl of spinach, and I haven't eaten it. It's very dark, chopped very finely. Quite rough, quite tough to eat, but actually work well with the, the greasiness of the sauces that you put on your rice. And then two very small bowls at the end. One is a green chilli sauce, spicy but not hot. And the other is the ubiquitous red chilli sauce that goes everywhere. And then there's a, a raised platform on which there are nine separate small plates with different foods on and you, each of those that you take is what you pay for at the end you fess up what you've taken So starting from right to left, if you follow me, chicken. I know this is chicken because the bowl has a picture of a little chicken on it. And this is almost like a bit of Kentucky Fried Chicken to look like with a sort of thick, crispy coating, crunch coating. 
big pieces of chicken that have been and just been quartered, really. Next, coming along, eggs. Now, boiled eggs, peeled, obviously, but in a sort of grey sauce, the egg itself. Is that absolutely delicious? I've just had one of those. Another piece of chicken, hot again. And then we're coming across to tempeh. Tempeh is bean curd, and there's pillows of tempeh, a sort of soft inside, uh, maybe about two inch, sorry, two inches long and an inch wide. And that's a bean curd. It's a bit like eating say, a roast potato. And the other tempeh has been made into more like a biscuit, and it sort of has the appearance of peanut brittle, but it's not as brittle as that, but it is crunchy. There's a third bowl there, and that has fish. And looking at the fish, it's got the tail on it and the head on it, and it's, I suppose, the size of a, of a mackerel, but it's very dry, a dry-looking fish with a dry crustiness, brown crustiness, almost feathery around it. I didn't try that one. One that I did try, was below that, looks like slices of tuna, but it's not, it's a local fish. Uh, there's a bit of bone in the middle. Uh, again, it comes with a sort of red tomato-y sauce. That was extremely meaty, extremely flavoursome. Every mouthful of that, uh, soft in the mouth. Very, very nice. There's another one which is a, um, a sliced aubergine, and that's in a very hot chilli sauce. Coming along, there are four bowls and it is just a fish head that's what it is let's make no mistake it's the fish head the eyes are there uh, it's got a diagonal chop where the, the head's been chopped away from the body I suppose if the fish was to be whole that fish would maybe be about a meter long so the fish head itself is is bigger than my hand certainly fatter twice the thickness of my hand and longer than from the tip of my forefinger to my wrist uh, there's two of those since balefully looking at me I guess there's some more fish as a as a small flat fish much flatter again whole completely whole with its uh, very feathery pale lemony tail lemony looking tail eggs more boiled eggs this time absolutely slavering in the rich red chilli sauce. There's full penultimately a bowl of what I suppose would be to describe it ungracefully as a pile of mud or something else warm and wet like that, mud coloured. But within that lies beef, beautiful, soft, melt in your mouth, small pieces of beef in this sauce, which is spicy yet not too hot. And finally, at the end, uh, four little parcels, dark brown, black, sometimes looks like it's a bit of, bit of something stringiness wrapped around balls of mixed offal. So I didn't actually have one of those. And that's all we have time for. You have been listening to Bill's Big Bag of Musicologies. Musicologies is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. Mm-hmm.